grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, here we are, people of God, the first Sunday in Advent. And Advent is this season when we are to prepare our hearts and our lives to receive again the gift of the Christ child. It is a time of awaiting not only the birth of the child, but remembering that Christ will come again and Christ comes into our world and into our lives again and again if we are open to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And you'll notice for those who are uh, long-time or short-time members of the church, you will notice that with our Advent candle each week, when we light the candle, we are remembering one of the gifts that is given to us in the baby born in the manger, the gifts of love, of joy, of hope. And this week we remember the gift of peace that is given to us in Jesus Christ. So when we come to this letter that Paul has written, he begins it by saying grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Now, listen, in the ancient world in the first century, this would not have been a typical way of beginning a letter. You know, we begin our letters, Dear Bob, I hope you are well. Right? And you would say, well, that's a typical opening. But if you began it by saying, um, hey there, guy, uh, yeah, I love you. And then went on from there, people would be like, well, that's not a usual way to start a letter. And this is what Paul is doing. If you look at his letters, almost every single one of his letters, he says grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ as an opening Uh, I also want to point out that at the end, he always comes back to this very same kind of thing, grace and peace to you, bookends, to say this is what we are given in Jesus Christ. We are given grace, uh, which we would think of as uh, kindness or even love, that God has this uh, uh, undeserved regard for us, that God cares for us, even though there's nothing we can do to ever earn that. But then comes this word, Peace. Uh, the Greek here is Irene, peace. But remember for Paul, Paul has no New Testament. I mean, he's writing half of it here, guys. Uh, all he has is the Hebrew scriptures, all those teachings of what we call the Old Testament. And Paul, you'll remember, is a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And therefore, when Paul says Irene, peace, He's 
is thinking, shalom. Now, for you and I, and apologies to Linda, when we look up the definition of peace, we get this sense of, okay, the end of conflict, right? It's like um, when uh, your kids are in the other room and they're arguing, and what do you say? Can't we have a moment of peace in this household, right? Or we think of uh, the, a war ends and now there is peace. That's how we think of this word peace, but this word shalom, which Paul would have been thinking of, means much more than the absence of conflict. The word peace scripturally says to us completeness, wholeness. The word peace means things are the way they should be. It's like saying everything is right with the world. That is the concept of peace. And I think in our lives, once in a while, we get a sense, we get a glimpse of this kind of biblical peace. You know, so uh, imagine uh, at Thanksgiving, and for the first time in many, many years, all of the family had gathered together, and you're getting some food from the kitchen, and as you walk out to where everyone is gathered, you get this momentary sense of everything is right with the world. Everybody is here. Everything is as it should be. Uh, for those of you who sail or hike or like to sit on the back and, and look at the sunset or go to the lake, you will know that there are those moments where you are caught up in this sense of peace, that everything is right with the world. And, and it's just a glimmer, but, but that experience is so deep and rich for each of us. This is the sense of peace that Paul is conveying when he says uh, the gift of peace that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And yet, if this gift of peace is given to us, why is it so hard for us to live with a sense of peace? We, of all people who believe in Jesus Christ, who try and follow Jesus Christ, should be living as instruments of God's peace in, in everything we do, in everywhere we go, the body of Christ. The church should be a place that is purveying peace, purveyors of peace. I like that phrase. We are to be purveyors of peace. And how often is it that the church is busy arguing with each other rather than being a source of God's peace in the world? What is it that has this tendency to rob us of our peace in Christ? Well, I think one of the first things is, uh, think about how we come to this season of Advent, and, and I don't know about you, but it, it is probably my favorite time of year, right? Uh, there's so much, many good things that are happening uh, throughout this season leading into Christmas. And uh, the problem is that so many people are much more interested or more about preparing their houses for Christmas than they are preparing their hearts and their souls. 
too many people are so busy uh, shopping and partying that they aren't praying and preparing their hearts and their souls to receive the gift of Jesus Christ and the peace that he brings. You see, we get caught up in all the, let me call it trappings of the world. We get caught up in all of the, the food and the gift buying and all of the lights and all of the festivities and all of the stuff. Now, now, don't get me wrong, I love the beauty of the season. I love how beautiful our sanctuary looks. Thank you, Peggy and Jerry. I, all of these things should help evoke in us the spirit and the depth of Christmas. And yet, how many times do all those things, the busyness of the season, make us tired or a little bit snippy or we get worried because we haven't found the perfect a gift for Aunt Gladys. All of these things, I would say to you, whenever you start to feel that stress in the season, you've missed it. You're worried more about the preparations for the holiday than you are the preparations for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into our heart and our world. Use that as a way of noticing Am I connected to God? Am I trying to prepare my heart and my soul to receive the gift of God in Jesus Christ once again? So there's the first thing, is this need that we have uh, to prepare ourselves, to sit down, uh, to do a devotional time. If, if you have one, be sure that you're focusing on uh, the gift of God in Jesus Christ in your, in your devotional time. If you don't have one, this is the wonderful time of year to spend 15 minutes a day opening your heart, opening your spirit, saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life once once again in this season, let me grow in you. Let me go deeper into you. Let me see and receive the peace of God in you in this season. Uh, I've got something later in the service that may help us in this Advent season do just that because we have to open our hearts and our spirits to receive Jesus in this season. Uh, remember that the busyness of the world, whether Advent or not, can always grab our attention, can always pull us away from the peace that God is giving us in Jesus. That's all well and good, you say, but what about all these horrible things in the world? Right? Here's the second thing that robs our peace. I don't know about you, but when I turn on the TV, and you know I like to be an informed person, but when I turn on the TV, it's almost like i got to turn off the news because it's just too much. Uh, war in the Middle East and the destruction on both sides is horrible. And in, you know, we don't even remember there's a war in Ukraine anymore because we're so focused on the Middle East. And, and then violence in the streets and people being shot and all these thing after thing, terrible things happening in the world. And you say, where is the peace of God? And yet... There is something about our Christian faith. There is a reason that Paul says grace and peace to you here and now. The world has always been a terrible place. You go back 2,000 years when Paul was writing. Think about what a horrible place it was. Uh, just a little bit before that, Herod had uh, ordered that all the firstborn sons across the land be killed. That's a pretty bad thing. 
uh, a crucifixion was a common practice. That's a horrible way uh, to die. Uh, there were all kinds of things like stoning people to death that were taking place. The world has always been a terrible place. Jesus knew it. Paul knew it. So how do they have peace in the midst? And this is where Paul says to us, guys, you already know how this story ends. Think about uh, the first time, uh, and I am just making an assumption here, the first time that you read the Harry Potter series or watched the movies, right? As the, no, I've never seen them. But as you're going through the movies or the stories, when you get to the last installment, it's terrible. There's this horrendous war that's happening. Uh, Harry is like slowly losing his life. Uh, people are fighting and you think, oh my gosh, I'm biting my nails. How is this thing going to end? This is terrible. And then, of course, well, you know, Harry wins. Uh, the good overcomes the he who shall not be named. It all turns out well. Now, here's the thing, people. The next time you see that movie, you're not biting your nails. The next time you watch that movie, you're like, yeah, this is pretty bad, but I know how this is going to end. I'm not worried about it. And this is exactly what Paul is telling us. He says, you know what? You know the end of the story. You know that God's promises are true. You know that the day will come when Christ returns to restore everything to just the way it ought to be. And if you're paying attention in this world here and now, you can see glimpses of the peace that God has promised will be all in all in that day when the wolf and the lamb lie down together and the child plays with the snake. You know how the story ends. If you know how the story ends, why are you worried here and now? Why are you letting the, the horrible things of the world rob you of your peace? Because at a deeper level, God has already given us everything we need in and through Jesus Christ. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, oh, just ignore uh, the suffering and the horrible things of the world. Not at all. We should pray for those that we can't do anything about, and we should act in ways that alleviate suffering wherever we can and bring God's peace into being. We do what we can. We become instruments of God's peace. Many, many years ago, when I was in seminary, I got a scholarship to spend the summer studying in the Middle East in, in Israel, and I, I joined up with this uh, four-week uh, travel study course throughout the Holy Land. And the very uh, last day we were there, I decided I wanted to go back into the old uh, city of Jerusalem, and I wanted to go to the three holy sites of the Western Wall and the mosque, and then the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is the Christian site. And uh, two guys on the trip, uh, one who was a Christian brother, uh, kind of a monk from uh, Australia, and the other one was an Episcopal priest from Canada, and they were both about 6'4", 6'5". 
So I had these two bodyguards, and we went walking down. I felt safe as can be. We went walking down through, uh, the, you know, the the gates into the old city, and we went first to uh, the western wall, that holiest site of Judaism, and we prayed at the western wall, and then we went up uh, onto the Temple Mount where the mosque is, uh, the holy site of Islam, and, and we prayed there outside of the mosque for uh, peace in, in the world and in Jerusalem. And then as we were walking down to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is, uh, by tradition has it, it's where uh, uh, Jesus was uh, uh, laid in the tomb and was resurrected. Again, one of the very holiest sites of the Christian faith. And as we were walking along, uh, we were all kind of deep in our thoughts. We weren't talking, and we were probably uh, thinking about all this time in Israel and thinking about Jerusalem and how um, difficult life is in that part of the world. And one of us, I don't remember who, and I'm afraid it might have been me, uh, began to sing this song we had learned that was, Pray for the peace, pray for the peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we just walked and sang that song until we got to where we were going. And to this day, it's one of those little glimpses in my life of a world that we can't fix, a world that is divided and not as it should be, and yet in the midst of it, we can find this deeper sense of the peace of God at work and present with us. I have never seen those two guys again, but they live within me as part of the peace of God at work in the world. You see, people of God, in Jesus Christ, we are given this peace we can claim it spiritually. We can become instruments of God's peace in our lives and in our world. But you and I have to remember that it's about the gift of Jesus Christ. We, people of God, we have to be people of prayer who open ourselves to receive what is offered us in this season and in every season. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've looked at your bulletin,